This podcast is brought to you by the new term at fxphd.com. Among the new courses this term, our new Katana Lighting Training, a world first with Matt Leonard. Included in that is free VPN access to a full version of Katana, along with many other key programs to help you learn, such as Arnold, Maya, Nuke, Cinema 4D, and many more. They're all there to help you take your career to the next level. Check it all out at fxphd.com. You're listening to The RC, your guide to digital cinema, filmmaking, and cutting-edge imaging. Hi, and welcome to this week's RC podcast covering digital cinematography. And this week we're going to be covering, oh, I don't know, Red Rig's lawsuits, but mainly the four new Alexas. And in the Red Room, we'll be speaking to Codex discussing the new Alexa R. XXR module. It's a bit confusing, actually. Uh, you'll understand why in a moment here on the RC, where we see our role as basically mining the news, filtering the blogs, and going down some of our now fairly famous and vaguely interesting rat holes. <laughs> and this is all the camera tech that we are discussing, uh, obsessing about, trying to work out. And here for the conversation, uh, the creator, the founder, dare I say, the father of the RC <laughs> podcast, the man himself. I was never there. Jason Wingrove. I did not have. I don't know, I won't go there. <laughs> I did not have. I did not have knowledge <laughs> of this podcast. <laughs> Hello. I never. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jace, how are you? I'm excellent, thank you. Nice to be back in the pod. In the pod. We are recording this as Sony is rolling out the new uh, PS4. We have a team of. Um, I'd like to say we had an intern in a red dress ready to come <laughs> into the room to tell Jason if, in fact, the uh, PS4 is capable. Yes, but uh, Ian didn't want to wear it. Yes, well, anyway, if, if in fact the PlayStation 4 comes out in ultra-high, mega, 4K HD while we're talking, then our intern will run in without uh, said red dress. They'd have to. And, uh, and indicate that to us. But, They'd have to. But there's quite a lot of news. Um, that's yes, thanks to print. Sony and to Ari for giving us something to actually talk about this week because yes. it's kind of, up till now, kind of quietish. But before we do that, we have to play the exclusive wiretap that you managed to get under the Freedom of Information Act of the interview or discussion, I guess. Yes, I believe this is between um, Jim Janard's lawyers and uh, some people at Sony. Now, we can't substantiate this because of um, the... Well, obviously, it's hard to get a, any guarantee on an illegal wiretap, but as, as we understand it, this is exactly... Um, well, let's play the clip yes. anyway. When does he get it? He doesn't. Why not? Because he broke the rules. What rules? We didn't see any rules, did we, Charlie? Wrong, sir. Wrong. Under Section 37B of the contract signed by him, it states quite clearly that all offers shall become null and void if, and you can read it for yourself in this photostatic copy, I, the undersigned, shall forfeit all rights, privileges, and licenses, hearing and hearing contained, etc., etc., fax mentis incendium gloria calpum, etc., etc., memo bis punitor delicatum. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. You bumped into the ceiling, which now has to be washed and sterilized, so you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. You're a crook. You're a cheat and a swindler. That's what you are. How can you do a thing like this? Build up a little boy's hopes and then smash all his dreams to pieces. You're an inhuman monster. I said good day. Ah, yes, very funny, Jason. Yes, again, we can't we can't substantiate any of that, but uh, yes, 
Okay, so look, um, in the uh, in the realm of of hot news, Alexas, four Alexas have come out, um, brand new versions of the Alexa, really, because it's not a fundamentally new camera in terms of sensor. It's basically a new version of each of the cameras. And uh, there are two aspects to this. Uh, in a second, we'll go into the Red Room and hear from Codex firsthand who make the add-on module. But first, let's just discuss the cameras themselves because it is more than just a module on the side that is a change to the cameras. So all the Alexa product line, the Alexa M, the original Alexa, the Plus, and the Studio have now been sort of converted, as it were, to the Alexa XT. So we've got the Alexa XT, the XTM, the XT Plus. Um, and if you are buying a new camera, this is what you'd buy. If you've got an old camera, it is possible to mod the camera to get the new recording uh, stuff. But uh, but let's just focus on the new cameras themselves. And so, Jase, before we get to that recording, which is the big news, there's a bunch of interesting stuff that, um, that Ari have done to these cameras. And one of them is, uh, just prior to this, we had, um, I think, one of the cameras that was capable of doing 4x3 recording? Yes. Well, two of them. The Alexa, well, there's the 4x3, and then there was the Studio, I want to say, with the optical viewfinder, which was mildly popular, but a lot of people... The uptake wasn't big because it's a lot bigger, bulkier, much more expensive uh, camera. Um, so, yes, there was a couple of models that had four by three, had the four by three chips. But now it looks like the only area you can buy, the only Elixir you can buy, is going to be four by three. Yeah, I mean they all they were all four by three chips. The chips were always the same, but I think it was the tap out of that they couldn't right. make the most out of it. So this, I, I mean, I as you'll hear me say when I do the uh, the red room over codex why anyone would want to shoot 4x3 is beyond me but of course the reason they want to shoot 4x3 is not for 4x3 it's for anamorphic indeed now jace you actually went to a uh, seminar recently or a sort of a workshop on anamorphic kind of reflecting that growth in anamorphic yeah so yeah. i guess it interests you as a director uh definitely i think what was really good about it was to see side by side with with uh, matching frame sizes with the same camera um we had a Four by three. We had a two four by threes, and one was set to anamorphic, and the other one was set to just you know doing a two by two point four to one mm-hmm. uh, crop. And uh, just was very interesting to see the difference in the perspectives. Whereas the anamorphic might have a fifty mil on, and the uh, spherical would have a twenty eight on, say, to get the same sort of field of view. And to see the difference in the in the compression, I mean, in the sort of perspective, I guess, of having a longer lens cropped down versus a, a wider lens. And it just was very, apart. I mean, apart from the bokeh being better because you are dealing with a longer lens mm-hmm. to get the same width of shot. And, you know, overlized highlights and all that sort of nice yummy flares and all that, all that sort of side stuff. Beyond that, the biggest thing, I think, was for, to get the same size shot on... on, on anamorphic versus spherical was a very different feel and actually brought it brought the subject to you it made you a bit more immersive actually made made you by giving i guess the width of a a wide-ish lens but the perspective of a tighter lens it was kind of an interesting exercise to see them side by side and you actually felt like the subject came into the camera a bit more, just a bit towards you, and you just felt like you were with them a bit, which is weird considering it's actually a longer lens. You'd feel like you were a bit, uh, should feel like you're a bit sort of further away from them in a way. This is why this podcast works so well having you on it, because I would have gone straight to the fact that on an ARRI sensor, you don't want to crop down because you'd get a smaller number of lines. Because if you've got a, 
a, a normal image and you just black the top and the bottom, yes. then your vertical height is just a, a smaller number of lines. Exactly. If you put an anamorphic lens on a 4x3 sensor, you've actually got a stack of lines being used and then, of course, stretched sideways. But yes. your vertical resolution is you know, immensely vertical greater. Vertical resolution is higher. But throw that out the window. I just love the fact that you go straight to the fact that it makes you more immersive on the yeah, subject. Yeah, it was not, of that. not what I was expecting. I was expecting, and we did do it. What, what I wanted to, originally wanted to see was look at some of the old cinema, old uh, Panavision, like compare E-series lenses with oh, yeah. um, uh, C-series lenses and with uh, Crystal Express, kind of like the Joe Dunton lenses and, and, uh, and sphericals. And uh, to sort of see a few lenses compared and look at flares and things was what I was originally wanting to see. But it was much more interesting to see that um, just, 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 just the compression, just that sort of um, physical sort of perspective difference so was much better every if shot every shot looked it made the spherical and this is exactly what we've been shooting on the entire time all the spherical stuff by comparison looked if I can say cheap it looked like a poor cousin to it and it's again one of those things you probably have to just to just to, but this is independent of which it. lens you're using because it, regardless it's, just it's, going anamorphic right. just the physics of using a anamorphic a 50 lens. mil lens right. to give you a 28 mil lens shot with right. the same frame size, same ratio, all 2.4, whatever, to 1. So it was very, yes, very compelling and very interesting. And, um, yes. So, so cause I... It, yeah, because it used to be that in my head that I would get Lawrence of Arabia if I just cropped heavily top and bottom and made it look more cinematic. But yeah. of course, you're right. It yeah. doesn't change that. I mean, it doesn't, you know, if you, without the comparison, if you're just looking at one isolated, it's not, you know, one doesn't suddenly become awful yeah. just because you know this. But um, when you see them side by side, it's one side by side, it's, it's completely uh, chalk and cheese. We're really already down do a pretty that. good rat hole, but I'm just going to keep going. Um, yeah. So when you and I were shooting your film anamorphically, mm. I found wide open on the uh, older, literally, you know, deliberately older anamorphics that you'd chosen we had horrendous flares and um, kind of weird stuff and we needed to be a stop or two in from wide open to avoid yeah. that on some of the lenses. On the new anamorphics, were they good wide open? Well, we weren't using the new, new... I mean, the, what you learn about it, and everyone who shoots scope all the time knows this already, that the, that, and this is why we so welcome people like uh, Zeiss making their master anamorphics, is that the... The, there is an absolute uh, drought of good anamorphic glass. I mean, essentially the C-series, like say, I mean, again, I think there was this Cesaurese that they probably used on, say, Star Trek or you know, probably pulled out of the vault to go and shoot something like Super 8. These are, we're talking for C, Cs, you're talking like 70s glass, 60s, 70s glass. So theoretically, the actual physics of them, the internals is probably Russian Lomos, some of the Lomos were reconverted. If you x-ray the two sometimes in some of the ESCs, and the, uh, they actually can be the same. The E's are maybe even like 80s and 90s. We're talking 20, going to have inferior coatings 20, Because well, coatings have advanced. Yeah, yeah. Now, some of that it's interesting that they both sort of flared the same, and they both still gave, even the Crystal Express, actually, which is a kind of a quirky sort of Joe Dunton converted, mm-hmm. you know, the origin is kind of, I'm not, I'm a bit grey as to what the actual glass is. They're just called Crystal Express here. But um, even that gave really nice uh, um, 
uh, flares and things. But optically, yeah, these things fall apart really quickly. And even these, we definitely weren't looking at the newer Gs and we didn't have any Primos. As I say, going back to my original point, is that the glass, as soon as a show is over, particularly here, uh, and this will be the same with other regions, all of the glass is obviously controlled by Woodland Hills. It's all controlled by by Panavision in the States. And as soon as uh, shows are over, generally the best glass will get scooped up. In fact, uh, actually Ross Emery came in because uh, he's fresh off um, Wolverine. Uh, I think you should say who was holding the seminar. Cause that was- uh, was the... Uh, um, I guess the teacher or professor was um, Peter James, ACS, and ASC. So uh, it was terrific and, and knows his stuff. Really and, terrific and, DOP. Yeah, and, Peter, and uh, Peter had Ross come in and have a bit of a chat too about his experiences working. He's done a few uh, scope things and he just did uh, Wolverine, I think, on Epics. Yeah, I believe it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, what they all, and all the best first ACs who are working on these shows all have a little black book of all the great serial numbers of these lenses and seriously <laughs> like say a close focus 60 yeah. or or there's some very few good lenses whereby literally as soon as a show is wrapped a Panavision courier is ready to rip that lens out of your hand and take it away and if you go over schedule you, know, you might start to lose all your lenses because they're already booked on the next job so these lenses are so rare, and so the good stuff is so hard to to get. The only stuff basically that was left over for our course is stuff that pretty much no one in the world really had uh, had had a chance to to request to be sent back yet. So we kind of had the, you know, the well, the, get, the, the the last turkey in the shop. Your, no, no, to get your glass for your film that we shot anamorphically, yes. I actually picked up that glass in Japan when I was there, if you remember. Yes, I hand-carried it, it back of, from Tokyo. Yeah, it came through other parts of the Panavision yeah. network uh, to, to get it to us. And, I, yeah, it probably went straight off on something else as well. But it's... Um, well, to swing I back. think as we get more lenses and as the as the size ones come online yeah. and, and as the only Alexa you can ever buy will be a 4 by 3 I, I'm very keen to uh, shoot, and I'm all the more keen to get as large a sensor as I can on the Epic Go Go Red Dragon and and, and start exploring. Can I ask a really stupid question? Anamorphic. Has anyone made a Canon 5D full sensor anamorphic lens? Has anyone made like the sort of anamorphic like ZFs, ZEs, or you know, like the anamorphic anamorphic stills glass? Like, is yeah. there the is there the cheaper ZE or Rockinon kind of uh, well, but with anamorphic version? C three hundred and C five hundred and stuff now. Yeah, wouldn't it be the case that you might actually want some anamorphic Canon glass? I don't know. That seems mm. like an oddly naive question, but yeah. I can't think of anything. Yeah. If you know, can you send us an email um, here mm. at uh, RC at FX Guide? Someone should. Someone should make a small, like the compact prime. If anyone would know, it would be a listener to this podcast person. <laughs> hey, so I'm going to swing back it's to the... It's interesting. Arid. I did have that same thought pattern. I was wondering, hmm, I wonder if we just need a small kind of anamorphic set yeah. that you could own. <laughs> and uh, didn't hey. have to be a big, didn't have to be a big, huge kind of, you know, massive Lomo scoured so from the world is, of eBay and ca- cobbled together from so what 50 what you're saying is... Just sending the word out to, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I if just we had say any friends they, in a modding company in Los Angeles that modded lenses. Exactly. If I, if only I did. Only we knew they somebody could get onto it at a place that. Because uh, I think it's. Hmm. Um, 
yeah i mean it's still going to be niche but the more i've you know as i've touched into this into it i'm sort of very keen to to do more so <coughs> matthew duclos <laughs> so we uh so can, we, can we go back to where we go were? back to the <laughs> okay so the Alexa reason we got XT. into that is because um ari has uh adopted that four by three option as it were um for clearly identifying um or rather supporting the uh, move to anamorphic glass but there's a bunch more that um that it's done not least of which is it now has um and i'm pretty sure this is unique in that it wasn't there before though i must admit i i'm not 100 percent sure but internal nds i'm um, sure that was not there before the um xt will do 0.3 to nd 2.4 uh, and they are IR ND filters, so they're going to have a little bit more infrared um, I would blocking. trust some ARRI internal yes. ND filters. That would be something that I would feel good with. Yeah. They're good with color balancing stuff like that. Yeah, particularly down towards the 2.4 Which end. Which is really, really horrendous, gonna, especially really with the IR. start to get serious IR down that end. If you were to be a regular listener of this show, you would know that a long time ago we actually discussed this problem, that the fact that the IR sensitivity becomes a bigger factor as you go to the higher NDs. And we spent, I think, 20 minutes on that in a show about two years ago. Um, but yes, once you get to the high NDs, the the possibility for IR um, contamination goes through the roof and so to have a clean 2.4 would be um, would be really nice um, but okay so that's that's part of the stuff that they're doing and there's some um, additional stuff with metadata and and some other stuff like I think there's a new fan in there that uh, provides an even quieter kind of setup um, but but the big thing the big news really is this idea of being able to have a uh, um, an XR module. Now, the XT is the name of the camera. So if you went to Aries, I'd like to buy an XT, please. But if you want to take an existing one in, you want to put an XR module on it. So I guess that's for extra recording or something. But anyway. But if you order an XT, it comes with an XR. It will come with the uh, codex internal. Okay. We're just going to call it the codex box. Um, yeah. And it replaces the SBS module on the side of the camera. Now, Joe says you'll hear in the uh, red room when we jump in in a second, what I found really fascinating about this is not only does it replace the um, S by S card, but it also has an option for an S by S adapter so that you can still use S by S's in it. So in fact, you actually get the best of both worlds. So you go to Codex, yeah. but if you've got a bunch of S by S cards sitting around, yeah. you don't, you don't want to them. particularly need to, to go to the full Larry Raw and you just want to go, I think you can go to 2K on the S by S cards now. I think ProRes, the, the maximum res is is the 2K, is the, is the maximum res of... That's the top end of the spec of ProRes. So let's go now to my interview with uh, Sarah Prisnell, which was actually recorded about an hour ago. You are entering the Red Room. So thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And congratulations. It seems like you've solved the problem that maybe bugged DOPs, which was having a codex hanging off the back of an Alexa made the camera a bit more unwieldy. Do you want to explain what's happened? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, you know, we've had we've had tremendous success, obviously, over the last couple of years with our recorders and the Alexa. But one thing we've always, you know, we've heard is, um, you know, sometimes we hear the recorder's too big, it's too heavy. Uh, other times people have issues with cabling. I mean, I would say that, you know, 90% of the, the, the emails that come into our support line uh, are often to do with, with cables that are broken. So um, anything we could do to kind of simplify that and, and make a solution that doesn't require any cables and uh, it's obviously part of the camera is, is, a, is, a, is a big deal and obviously it's going to go down really well with, uh, with DOPs and everyone else on the camera crew. So basically there are four new Alexas, uh, the XTs, and the XTs basically mm-hmm. refer to the fact that you can have this uh, module on the camera. 
presumably instead of what was there. Now, there are some other changes, but let's just focus on the XT module. Or is, sorry, is it the mm-hmm. XT or the XR? It's the XR module with the XT camera. Yeah, it's a little bit <laughs> confusing. Okay, so your module is XR. Now, if I've got a mm-hmm. current Alexa, can I upgrade to get this? Because this sounds kind of cool. Yes, yes. The XR is, is going to be available as an upgrade for all existing Alexa customers. Um, so whether you've got an Alexa Studio or an Alexa M um, or uh, an Alexa Plus, you can you can add the module. It's a, it, you'd have to contact Ari and it has to, you know, obviously Ari technicians have to do the upgrade, but basically the XR module replaces the existing S by S module that's on the Alexa. Um, and the new XR module not only takes our capture drives, but with a with a an, with an adapter, um, you can also record to S by S with it as well. So we're not taking away anyone's ability to record to S by S cards if that works. Um, we're just adding the ability to record either Ari Raw or uh, or ProRes or Avid DNX HD to capture drives. Okay, so that was the big thing before. If I wanted to capture on camera and you know the production didn't want to get an extra module and muck around with anything. I was limited to not being able to record raw. But what you're saying is now I can record either raw or not raw to the same sort of basic drive. And that drive can simultaneously be either running your uh, modules or I could put an adapter in for the S by S. So I sort of, is there any yeah. combination of that I missed? It seems like a pretty all-round solution. Right. No, it's, uh, it's great. We, you know, it gives people options, um, you know, for, for in-camera recording. So, and the other great thing is you can record up to 120 frames per second um, of 16 by 9 Ari Raw uh, now with the new module, uh, whereas before uh, with the external recorder, you could only record up to 60 frames per second. So um, before, if you wanted to do high speed, if you wanted to record 120 frames per second, you had to go to compressed ProRes on the SIS cards. But we've given people that option now with Ari Raw, which is, which is a really big deal as well, I think. People have been asking for that for a long time as well. Now, is that because the native way the codecs were set up before? Because I mean, I've shot with the uh, codex box on a couple of Aries in a stereo rig, and I could record two streams at once. So are you basically using that capacity of the two streams at once to allow you to now record it at twice the frame rate? Is that how that's working? Because it seems like otherwise um, the, the technology is kind of compatible, yeah. isn't it? Um, no, what it actually is, is it's actually a, there was the, the limitation to the speed was actually in the T-Link, the, uh, the BNC cables, you know, the, the, the proprietary T-Link over BNC uh, cables that was coming out of the Alexa. So now we don't have to worry about the cables. It's all in the camera, so we could we could do uh, uh, go with the faster speeds. Um, the drives we're using uh, the, uh, the the XR drives are high performance as well, so they are you know there's been some work on on the drive side, and obviously we benefit from the fact that you know people are making higher and higher performance solid state drives every year, so kind of riding that wave as well in order to get the performance up for this. But to be clear, your uh, drives are not just sort of, I mean, there's a reason why your drives aren't particularly cheap. It has to do with sustainable high bandwidth recording, doesn't it? Exactly, yeah. I mean, we, we have to use kind of the high performance military spec drives because, you know, when, when drives are out there on a movie production, they can't, they can't fail, they can't stop recording, um, they, need to, they need to perform under all kinds of conditions. So that's why, um, that's why they are a little more expensive. Okay, now imagine that I have already got um, a codec solution what I was driving at before about discussing that idea of the um, the double the bandwidth is, is this a new system of codec stuff or is this basically the sort of existing codec stuff but now able to run faster inside the Alexa? Because what if somebody's already made an investment in codecs? Uh, if they've already made an investment in codecs, all the, all the post-production stuff, the Vault, 
the uh, transfer station, that is, that will all still work. Um, it's just a different type of recording. Um, and we're still obviously supporting our existing products. Um, the, 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 um, the onboard S recorder, for example, works very well with the Canon C500 camera, so you can still use it with that. And, you know, we don't think everyone's going to automatically upgrade all their cameras overnight. If people have got codex gear already, they can continue using that as they don't want the high speed. Um, they can continue using that to, to a point where they do want to do the upgrade. So we're just, you know, it's all about options really for people. Um, and, you know, technology changes. Um, it, 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 we were able to do this now where we probably wouldn't have been able to do it a year ago. So now's the right time to uh, to offer this to, to our customers and our customers. Yeah, because the existing codex box, for example, can do Canon cin- Cinema Raw, can it, and other uncompressed formats. Right, exactly. So we've you know we've been working a lot with Canon recently. And we're obviously going to continue to do that, uh, and and people have been using our onboard S a lot with the Canon C500, um, and we, we certainly still plan to support as many cameras as we can, whether or not whether it's a recording solution or uh, a solution in our vault product where people can take drives, for example, from a Sony camera and process them in our vault. So, you know, we're not just working with Ari; we're still continuing to work with all the camera manufacturers. So, if you've got um Codex stuff in a rental pool. Obviously, you can still rent it to people that are using Alexas and to Canon people. Now, if, if somebody's coming to this new, maybe they're coming. I don't know from a, an epic kind of point of view. When we're talking about RAW, we're talking about RAW, RAW, aren't we? So, in fact, this is twelve-bit recording. Yeah, it's it's RAW. It's uncompressed. Um, it's yeah, it's twelve bits. Uh, you know, um, so. It's so it's a lot of data. So that's the other you know great thing we we think we do really well is manage large volumes of data. Um, and you know people obviously do have to be aware that it isn't compressed, that it is that it is uncompressed. So if you if you are shooting at 120 frames a second, uh, you are going to fill up one of our 512 mags fairly quickly. So um, it's uh, just something to be aware of. But uh, we think it's a you know we believe in, in offering people uncompressed uh, raw uh, paths. So we, we think it's the right thing to do. Now, you're also able to record ARRI RAW in 4x3, though, for the love of anything. I'm not quite sure why I want to shoot 4x3, but apparently some people are excited about it. Um, I guess it's got to do with anamorphic, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, we are, you know, we are seeing some people shooting 4x3. Um, I, don't, I think that the, uh, the high-speed 4x3 will come out a little bit later than 16x9, and I believe it's only going to be able to go up to 96 frames per second at 4x3. Um, but, yeah, that will be coming a little bit further down this, later this year, so... But I understand I'd still be able to hold about what fifty minutes worth of material on a um, uh, in mm-hmm. raw on a drive. Yes, yeah, yeah. Twenty-four frames per second. You better hold about fifty minutes of uh, of Ari raw on five twelve pack. Yeah. Correct. So, so, uh, so the sixteen by nine is the hundred and twenty frames. And mm-hmm. is there any other variations on that? I mean, is it basically? Um, can I sort of take that to the bank, or does it anything else affect it? It's I presume not, right? It's just as simple no, as uh, yeah, exactly. With sixty one, you can go in, yeah, any one one frame per second is to one hundred and twenty frames per second. So uh, yeah, anything in between. And talk to me about the ProRes and uh, DNX HD recording. Like, uh, do I have a lot of control over that at all, or is there? I mean, how much sort of uh, control do I have on the camera for setting up those ProRes and DNX HDs? Um, well, you can have uh, the same as you would with SIS. You can pick the uh, the compression codec, um, and uh, with uh, with um, sorry, someone's banging around it. 
with um, Apple with, with ProRes. Uh, if you wanted to record ProRes 4444, um, you know, which a lot of people do certainly here for TV shows, um, at 24 frames a second, you get over two hours onto, onto a capture drive. So it really, you know, I'm, I'm not off the top of my head. I can't remember how much you can hold on an FIS card, but you know, it gives people the options for longer rec- longer recording times as well on the on the capture drives. So um, I think that would be a big benefit as well. Well, yeah. I mean, we're talking about a single load of two point one hours. I think. I mean, the you know, that's not yeah. that's not time on set. This is like uh, versus right, exactly. a uh, that yeah. could be all day. <laughs> versus a film <laughs> load, so. which yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. Four hundred foot load versus a two point one hour load. Yeah, I don't think I'd actually want to have more than that on uh, any single piece of media at any single uh, point in time. That's kind of frightening to me. Right, no, exactly. We we do find that people want, you know, for certain applications, whether it's, you know, a comedy movie where they're shooting Adam Sandler and they don't know when he's going to be funny, so they just want to leave the camera rolling, people want to do that. But we, we tend to encourage people not to overfill their individual capture drives. Um, it makes more sense both from a, from a safety point of view and also just to, to get the drives into post-production and to start turning dailies around. It makes more sense to have less footage if you can, so... So I guess the number one question left unanswered is just how expensive it is to uh, to mod my camera. Is there any kind of pricing information on this uh, RX module? I believe the pricing information is coming out on Friday from Ari, so I, uh, I can't speculate. But um, I believe it's going to be fair, you know, an affordable option for people um, and, and going to be very attractive. So I think they're releasing that on Friday. And and as we said earlier, all my other stuff, especially uh, this is particularly important for those that have invested in the vault. That's all remains the same. Yes, exactly. Yep, everything else is the same. Um, and you know the, the codex workflow that's been proven on tons of feature films over the last couple of years is, is still the same. So, yep, everything's the same. So if somebody's interested in this, they can't do this directly with you. They need to go through Ari to get their camera modded, I presume. Exactly. Yeah, they go to Ari, they get their camera modded, or they or they buy a new camera, or whatever whatever they want to do, and then uh, yeah, then they can work with us uh, on on everything else. So. It seems like it's been a pretty successful relationship between Codex and Ari, um, now spanning a few years, but it's uh, certainly been the facilitator for shooting above the uh, the ProRes on the camera. Uh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we've had, we think it's been a great, you know, couple of years for us. I mean, I think Gary have too. I mean, we've had, you know, the Oscars, I think the Oscars are this weekend. Uh, we have four out of the, four out of the nine best pictures were, were shot with Ari Flash Alexa, uh, Ari Alexa Flash Codex. So, um, you know, Roger Deakins just won best cinematography at the ASD Awards for Skyfall, also Codex and Alexa. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a great, great couple of years. I have to say, so when I was watching Skyfall, I got to watch a 4K print of it, and um, mm-hmm. I don't know other than to say congratulations that how remarkable the 4K print looked of Skyfall, given that they weren't shooting it at 4K. Um, it is remarkable if you can keep the image fidelity down the pipeline, how just stunning that uh, that film looked. Yeah, I mean, obviously Roger Deakins is a you know one of the most superb cinematographers in the world, and so that definitely helps. But I think um, you know this whole fight over resolution, I think in the end is a, is a bit of the pointless battle because I think, as you say, you can make uh, 3K, you know, Ari Raw look great at 4K for 4K projection. So um, it's whatever, whatever works for a particular production, really. So um, you know, with the right cinematographer and the right the right tools, you can make it look really great. 
So you have a bunch of other films coming out and stuff, but if people are interested in seeing the gear for themselves, I guess one of the next places you'll be is NAB, is that right? Yes, yes, we'll be at NAB. We've got a, we've got a really big booth. We'll be showing, uh, we're going to have a stage with cameras. We're going to be showing workflows, uh, obviously for Alexa, for T500, for Sony, and uh, hopefully for Red as well uh, in our in our whole product. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're really going to be pushing, uh, you know, supporting, supporting workflows for different cameras, supporting workflows where people want to mix different cameras because that's happening more and more. You know, people will shoot some VFX plates with an Epic or they'll shoot the rest on Alexa or they'll shoot some with an F65. Um, so, yeah, so just kind of enabling people to have one single workflow for all these different cameras is going to be a big push for us. Well, look, thanks so much for talking to us. I'll definitely uh, come down and see you on the show floor at uh, NAB because we'd love to uh, check out that stuff, especially um, uh, talk a bit more about the vault, which we haven't had a chance to talk to about today. But thanks so much for taking time to talk to us. We really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome, Mike. Thank you. Thanks very much, Codex, for uh, taking the time. I'm sure at this moment it's very, very busy over there. And as you heard, we'll um, hook up with them at NAB and Jason... You and I will be at NAB this year. Um, yes, looking forward to it. And in a bit Very of a yeah. leak, we'll be again doing um, a live show. Shouldn't be saying that, but I'm, I'm leaking like a sieve. You are. You are leaking, Mike. I can see. Uh, <laughs> the Just so I'm excited. Two things. Two things about the Ari thing. A, I'm I'm really happy that they did this uh, because it actually I think now the Alexa now. Uh, they clearly, Ari have been listening to the show, and uh, it now is um, passes when goes paradigm that it records its own shit. <laughs> That's true, actually. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of happy but sad because I was hoping. I'm, well, I'm, I'm trying to work out now that they've done this. They've done these announcements pre NAB. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking in this world of 4K, and with, theoretically, I'm expecting. Our uh, intern to come in in a red dress with 4K now. Come in any yeah. second and tell us 4K for the PlayStation 4. Ultra HD is everywhere. Um, I'm imagining that uh, we will. it will be not too long before we have a 4K Alexa. I'm wondering, are they announcing this now rather than doing it in AB, that then there's going to be a 4K, a 4K version coming? Or is 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 that it for, for our Ari for this supervisor year? this week for an upcoming FX podcast mm. of a yet to be released major motion picture um, that may or may not involve wizards and and wasn't set in Australia. And um, anyway, as you'll hear when that finally comes out, his point was if he was doing another show, he would yeah. happily do it as long as the camera was 4K because from an FX point of view, it's just too useful having that extra resolution. Mm-hmm. He likes the Alexa, but he just wants it in 4K. Um, yeah. Look, I think given that, I mean, we have heard from, you know, Sony that uh, all of their productions are to be done in 4K, finished, done, posted, archived, you know, with their massive push to, to, to 4K. I would It would only make sense that um, Alexa is kind of behind... Uh, behind the eight ball with, or in front of the eight ball, however that works, the whole eight ball thing, that uh, you've got pretty much the, of the big three, uh, they're kind of dragging the 4K chain a bit, you know. And I imagine it's that I'd like to, I would have liked to have thought for NAB that we would have seen, I was imagining we would have seen a 4K Alexa. And maybe this is why they've done this announcements now. We shall see. Mm, mm. Yes. 
Hey, um, I wanted to answer, we don't normally do this, but we got a kind of a question in from a listener and I wanted to see if we could um, rat hole. So I've given you a lot of warning of this, I'm sorry. But <laughs> but um, back in the day when we used to do this podcast and the Red One was out, mm. and coincidentally the show was actually called the Red Centre back there. Um, anyway, back in the day... We a lot used of people to still call it, call it that. A lot of people still do call it that. We had a bit of a chat about... Um, camera rigging stuff. In fact, we used to talk about it quite a lot because there's a lot of stuff coming out, you know, to make the red one work. And I will say that's happening again now with the um, the Blackmagic camera. A lot of, you know, rigging companies producing stuff to make it work. And somebody said, it's a while since we heard what you guys actually have on your cameras these days. Yeah. So if I can just divert our attention for a second. I actually was genuinely interested in this because I thought I hadn't spoken to you about that for a while. And because and you've got your own Epic and I've got my own Epic, I don't shoot with yours very often. Mm. What's on your Epic? Is it because in the early days you kind of liked it light and not a lot of bits hanging off it? Definitely, still do, still run it very, very light. Um, uh, it's I have the let me think about it. Okay, so I have the, pretty much the Canon mount never leaves the body. Really, pretty much because I own you know all the glass and I'm happy to. And most of it is kind of cine modded and is right, is so metal geared. and manual focus right, stuff. Yeah. And most of my old glass is gone. So I'm pretty much I'm quite I'm a little less embarrassed to bring all those lenses on set. And obviously I've got a larger set. I'll definitely will rent stuff and I'll definitely be considering even doing that for scope on larger stuff. But for the smaller stuff, I've just had my bum rescued too many times shooting raw to be able to really. It has to be some specific production stuff to make me want to go back to uh, DSLR land. So epic it is. Um, EF mount on the front. I have four 128 gig SSDs. Uh, I have the ViewFactor. Um, I use a- Anton Bauer batteries, small Dionic 90s. I've got five of those. I did have a whole bunch of uh, Red Volts, and they were just not practical. Literally, last 15, 20 minutes, you just find yourself during the day, just all you're doing is bat- someone's battery managing. Uh, and they don't they don't charge the travel charges take five hours to recharge and twenty minutes to discharge and it's just not economical. I know a lot of people have like I don't know thirty of these batteries and they'll run a day perfectly fine and they want to keep it nice and light. But uh, I'm happy with a little bit of because the camera is so short and so mm. small. You almost want a little bit of weight on the back. I don't. I'm the first person to say I do not want to add extra weight, but. Uh, I um that little bit of weight is okay. So I have the very nice and compact Dionic 90s from Anton Bauer and the ViewFactor uh, click-on uh, adapter plate for that. It's very small, very light. It's not much bigger than the actual camera. Than that, it doesn't like a red brick. It doesn't stick out 50 feet higher than the camera or 20 feet wider. It's very, very sort of discreetly on the back there. Uh, I don't have really any other modules, any other adapters, any that sort of stuff. You haven't been tempted by a Pro IO or a uh, well, the Pro IO additional plug-on. Well, what I do, I am very tempted, and it's not out yet because they keep uh, you know pushing it back a little bit. Is the plus one module the p- part of the the two reasons the the two things I want to have an external little module like that for is to have external DC to have some power out. And to have the ability to run a touchscreen and a bomb, EVF. Okay, 
the Pro.io, as far as I know, maybe you can Google it while I wrap it on, Mike, but I'm pretty sure there is no DC. I don't think there's DC out of that Pro.io. I think it's a whole bunch of sync, timecode, extra SDIs, and XLR plugs and things. I don't think it does DC out. Uh, maybe it does. Hmm. I'm just looking at No, I think it, I'm wrong. It does, and it sucks. Uh, no one can power anything from it. Anybody who owns the Pro I.O., uh, I think, can never get any particular uh, professional accessory or monitor to actually work with it. <laughs> so, we're, we're, Red are working on it. Well, it's temporarily unavailable in the store as we speak. Ah, but right. Well, apart from the fact that it may be popular, which I doubt, I think it's the fact that they're working on that one because... Not, you can't plug in a remote focus motor. You can't run an external monitor. You can't get any power out of the thing that, that is that is that is any decent. You might be able to run a little, charge your iPod. That's about it. Uh, so, and the other module is the Plus One module, which is going to do exactly what I want. It'll give you an extra, an extra EVF socket to run touch and, and bomb and also will give you DC out. But they're holding back. There's delays on that. I can only presume they're both both those modules are in the same boat. So very tempted. I'd love the plus one to come out. I definitely want to have it. I'd love to be able to run those two things together and have a bit of extra power to run, um, I'd say, a focus receiver or an um, external monitor without having to swap, you know, have extra batteries. Uh, I, on, I generally run off the bomb EVF. I don't um, use a external. I have. I'll put a like a small HD DP6 generally on that if I've got a, fir- a first AC, and he'll want to. You don't spot. have the touch screen on top. No, cause huh. I always have the touch screen on. I. I well, I, a for me, it's it's two things. I mean, I just really like having a viewfinder. I do a lot of on the shoulder work, and also my close focus. I don't. I hate. I'm only. I'm in that sort of transition bit. With glasses, whereby I'm, I have a pair, but I don't really wear them. I je- I'm where I would normally put a, a, a monitor right in front of me, off shoulder handles or whatever. It's just a little bit too close to, to judge sharps, so I prefer, and also just for working on daylight outside and the ability to just sort of really get your eye into the image and get a really much better sense of framing. I, I prefer a viewfinder, so. Uh, I, I don't ago, run a touchscreen. A year ago at NAB, you got you got super excited. You really got enthusiastic about your red mode. You walked the other side of the hall at the yes. and got it to run. Have I used it yes. much? No, not really. Um, so can I just say, I no, told you so. You can't. I bloody did. I Look, bloody for five hundred bucks, the things. It's the most cheapest. The cheapest little. Oh, I don't think it's crap. I just want now the works. professional. Well, I want the professional one, the one that you know was going to be promised to have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think if Focus they're all, I think one. you can put that, you can put that one in the um, red arc of the covenant along with uh, all the other stuff that you know has sort of been announced and the 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 four one six or whatever the two one six and all the other large monstro sensors and uh, uh, yeah, a whole bunch of other stuff I can't even think of now that that uh, has been once dreamt of but but yet to see the light of light of day. Um, I think that probably one's a bit too hard and there's too many other things to to do uh so i do have red mode i mean i've used it occasionally to trigger stuff remotely or to look at a um look at um, uh, a waveform uh 
but yeah, that does not get used very much. No. If mine broke, would I buy another replacement? Probably no. Okay, so I have I have the red mode on ours, which mm-hmm. I do use from time to time, but I use it on the back of the camera more than anything else, just as a way of controlling the menu so I don't have to yeah. mark up the monitor while I'm doing something. Because you're mainly working on a studio where you're powering it more, from yeah. power supply. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because I have a battery on the back, I don't really have the yeah. space to keep it uh, just close to hand, I guess. I definitely jump between the Canon mount and the PL mount because I have PL glass. Yes. Um, right. and, and I do like PL glass a lot, obviously, because I don't yes. have... Well, obviously, I don't have the cinevised version of the else that you have and stuff. So I have L glass, but stills glass. So yeah, I probably should run through some of the glass I've got as well if I have to. I have to, um, remember I have to it. say, I've started to try and use the touch focus on the view screen. So I actually, go into using the um, focusing that the yeah. lens has from the Canon. I don't find it very responsive. I don't find I find they have to hit the little screen a bit too much and drag to get the thing to pull focus the way I want. I want focus super snappy. Yeah. And so it's just easier for me to still hit the in my case C button and go to a zoom and then adjust focus. Though I would love it if there was a some thumb control to move where the zoom was. Like you know when you zoom in on Yeah. I'm not mistaken, right? I mean I've never found that I can move. I have to actually tilt the camera to aim it at what I want to you focus can now. on. They can? I think so. How do I do that? Uh, oh my God, really? I can't, I'm pretty, maybe that's in the later beta version 4 or something that oh, you can. I really want that. I think when you zoom in, you can choose the zoom in point. Please, peeps, phone me, uh, sorry, email me and tell me how to do uh, that. I'm pretty I really sure I've seen to that, do that before. But anyway, yes. I haven't, but, that, but I guess because I don't do a lot, I mean, I've tried, but I haven't, I don't particularly practice mm. using that zoom function yeah. of the, um, I just, hit the zoom in, move it to where I want to aim it and do it yeah. and out. But anyway, um, so what we have on ours is a top handle. I find the top handle, which is the, you know, um, uh, quick release kind of one, yeah. is, is jolly good. Obviously, the side handle is, um, is always on. And then we have a plate. We use the red plate for um, putting it onto our... Um, oh, yeah, you have the red snap latch yeah, plate Yeah, I, I find pretty good, actually. Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty... Like, if somebody doesn't know how to use it, they often look at it going, well, what? But once you get used to it, it's great. Yeah. Um, I'm going to work down and up and around some of those other stuff that I've got. On the bottom of my camera, I have the Fortis Cinema, F-O-R-T-I-S Cinema, I think, plate, which has this really nice uh, XLR kind of adapter thing because I've had a lot of trouble with uh, sound guys not being able to say, yeah, we've got the right cables, no problem, then you turn up and they can't make it work. And yeah, we've got an XLR. Getting the sound right is uh, quite fiddly. You've got the A box or whatever it is, yeah, the, the wooden the camera A into box. Our yeah. a and B. I've got the simpler thing. So I think if you look at Forta Cinema, you can see like I've got one of those XLR uh, little brackets on the... Basically, just puts a little XLR socket at the back of the camera. And it's not in the way, and it's just one of them, and that's all, that, that's all I've got. Uh, on the top, I've got the uh, ViewFactor kind of top plate. On top of that, I think I've got the uh, wooden camera. The because uh, I'm using the Bomb EVF, I've got the UVF mount V2, which is a really nice, simple reposition. You know, very positionable. It's hard to find a spot that you can't get that this in, and you can extend it and make it into almost into like an extend ex, uh, ex, viewfinder extension. You can like double it up and put a eyepiece leveler and stuff on it if you want to as well. Uh, I think I've got the top handle I've got is not the releasable one. I did have one of those SWAT releasable ones, as you said. I think I've just got the the bolt-on 
very simple um, bolt-on wooden cam wooden camera handle, uh, and a little very simple. What sort of rods are you using? I'm uh, just using lightweight, uh, lightweight 15 mil rods. So the graphite one thing. I've got the. I think even the, the uh, with the Fortis plate. I think I've got the view factor. One of those little lightweight 15 rod adapters on the front. But the actual rods are. Uh, carbon fiber rods yeah. just sort of have, have they know, ever shattered Korean knockoff specials or something oh, really uh, no never had any of that stuff I mean they're not very long if I didn't if I'd had longer stuff I think generally if you can have longer longer zooms and have a little bit of weight bearing on them generally all I've had is I've used them for on DSLR rigs having handles or or just small you know they're only about six inches long and have a view a follow focus or something on there so they're never really doing too much load bearing stuff and I've never I've certainly probably dropped them and you know thrown them around a bit I've never had anything break but again they're not very long yeah, we have an 18 to 85, which is where we mainly need the long lenses. I really like yeah. that lens, by the way. That yeah, 18 to 85 most stuff for that kind of really big load rigging, you know, load bearing stuff or big zooms. You generally go the, most people do the stainless rods. So stay away from a cage on your Epic. I've bought, you know, sort of, I've not read. I've just got sort of cheap Ginny kind of G-I-N-I, like the knockoff, you know, Korean stuff, which is very simple, with all those little side arms, and I've pl- I've played around with that, and I bought it basically just as a cheap kind of prototyping thing, just to be able to work out, you know, what how do I rig handles, and just to, to muck around, and I've, to be honest, most of that stuff stay, it stays off. I do have the side handle on, as you say, because it's the only way I control the camera, while I have, because I don't have the touch screen. If I had the touch screen, uh, I would keep that if I had like this plus one module. I'd have the the touch screen and forget the side handle. I don't really need that um, at all. The only reason I have it is just purely to be able to have physical control of the camera through the, um, you know, th- of the menu system. It's the only way to touch it. So, okay. So, let me compare and contrast that now with what's your standard rig on your 5D Mark III. Uh, 5D Mark III, uh, Mark III, the small HD DP4 viewfinder. Okay, so I'm on the I'm on the small six, right? The DP6, and yep. it's gorgeous. I love that. Thing. Yeah, it's like uh, yeah, I've said it before, a gold standard, I reckon, yeah, I just for just it. onboard monitors. But perfect size, bulletproof. But in Can't did you it. mention? Maybe I, I missed it because I was not fully paying attention. But I hope not. not. But like did you. you have? Did you mention what your follow focus? Was on your uh, I've changed follow focus a fair few times actually. I'm a bit of a follow focus kind of ho. Uh, I think I've got a Crozial, I think they call it the DV kit. Crozial. It's very small, very light. Um, uh, I'm yeah, I'm sticking yeah, I'm 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 sticking with that for a minute. It, it's a very nice feeling follow focus. Very small, only mainly designed for lightweight fifteen rods. I've tried a few other things and never quite sort of got there. I'm um, there's a couple I'd still like to try. I'd love to try the uh, I'm trying to think what they call it. The um, uh, there's a smaller, lighter O'Connor O Focus. They make a smaller O O Focus uh, kit, which looks really very nice. A little bit more expensive, but uh, very so, nice. So, what is it that's driving your decision on a follow focus? Like, I want to want make it? it very low. The low? whole problem is with when it's on the shoulder, and oh, you're you trying to get low? when you're trying to yeah when you're trying to get the the camera on a, the whole thing for me about a shoulder rig is to get the whole camera 
on my shoulder. So literally you could have just one little Arton style handle yep. that I've mentioned before and you know, can't stop crapping on about. Just to have the whole camera just sitting on your shoulder. What I'm chasing is the uh, Arri 235 or the like an uh, Arri SR kind of experience or Arton experience where camera sits beautifully, center of gravity right over your shoulder and it requires the lightest touch to be able to move it around. Just one hand on one nice ergonomic handle on the right-hand side, and that's it. And then you leave your other hand free. You're not having to force to use that left hand to do to hold the camera up or to be able to maneuver it. You can keep that hand free and to, to do focus, zoom, whatever. It's a little bit more of that Doco, Arton kind of combat feel. So when you're on your SLR, you're yes. also using the same Canon Cineed glass without... Which yes. is manual. Yes. So that means you've got to attach rods for just the follow focus. Rods. Because you wouldn't have a mainly for for follow focus and mainly for um, to put handles on to put to put um, uh, you know basically to have some some handles. Because leaving follow focus aside, the main reason we're putting um, rods on our Epic is to put in filters. Which we don't do on our SLRs because yeah, because right. of Matbox to get the filters. Because right. on our yeah, on the Canon, more often than not, we're sticking on something like a variable ND because it's just yeah. so bloody useful. At the moment, uh, all I'm doing, my filtering is all fairly simple. It's usually just a variable ND or a couple of four by four NDs, but mainly to mainly just all clamp on. All my lenses are now eighty mil fronts, all the same, and I just have a little clamp on. Uh, like a little, uh, like a round or a square, a very simple, small mat box arrangement. Um, Do you use a, um, you know, on the back of your uh, SLR, yeah. are you using a um, eyepiece? Um, like a Z Finder thing? Mm. No, just purely working off um, the DP4 because... Because it's... I get you can, because you can with with the loop. So you can if you're doing a low angle shot, you can flip the loop out of the way and use it just as a regular monitor. Or when you flip it down, it's a prop, it's a proper EVF, and you've got the incredible, you know, the the all of the fabulous peaking and focus picking little tools on 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 the small HD to be able to really nail nail the focus. It's you know you're not dealing with a very high resolution image out of the i think maybe 720p now i think with the 5d mark mark 3 uh so yeah you want all you know all the help you can to to be able to pick focus and your plug and that sounds really obscure but your plug into your camera yes is not that obscure because you actually trashed a 5d by uh, yes i've been using on the 5d on the 5d mark 3 i'm using the Red Rock Micro uh, Blue Cage or Ultra Cage, I think it is. The Red Rock Micro Cage because that has the ability to have rods in the in the bottom of it mm. but also has, I guess, like a sort of exoskeleton around it and part of that is the HDMI port protector on the left and also gives me rods on the top to mount the small HD as an EVF somewhere convenient because if you again trying to get the camera you're trying to get the camera back on your shoulder you need a viewfinder forward and so you need somewhere to be able to mount that without having sort of clunky I mean it's already kind of clunky but you're trying to mount it without having like Noga arms and all this kind of crap so 
I'll try and f put a shot of, I'm sure I did a shot of the, the my 5D rig some stage last time, last year when I did the nurses. I'm trying to put, put that in the show notes. But um, yeah, it's quite nice, neat sort of thing. You could just use the rods to be able to put the, um, put your handles on and um, your port is protected through the cage and you've got somewhere to mount your EVF on the top. I will say this. Um, this is a rat hole, isn't it? Well, yes and no. I kind of find it more interesting sometimes than just going through the news. Hey, um, the thing that I find... Well, as again, as every time I use the Airpick, I just, it's just that so much more grown up. I mean, I, I kind of miss having the full frame look. That's why I'm keen to sort of get, you know, as close as I can, say, with Red Dragon. But uh, apart from that, I don't, you know, I, I just love the... The raw thing. I do love the idea. I love. I love the l small amount of data on a 5D Mark III or a DSLR shoot of that kind. But you know, there's a payoff for that. Yeah. No. No. Totally. Um, I guess the thing that uh, I was going to say is that um, the SLR and, for that matter, the Epic can be built out a lot, but mm. it does starts to get fussy. Yeah. And 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 at a point where it gets fussy, it's I'm just resisting the temptation as much as I possibly can because it gets super fussy and then you just seem to have a lot between you and what's going on. Yeah, I just I just hate having a tons of shit hanging off stuff and I want all very I'm very kind of picky about how it all goes together and uh, you know how simple it is to build up, how easy it is to transport, how less things go to go wrong. Uh, the other thing I have bolted on there is the and how I, I like to ideally like to work is like cable free, have the Paralynx Plus transmitter that is mounted onto the camera in the Paralynx shield, which is like a nice little mounting block, which also protects the HDMI ports of the of the of the transmitter, and that's powered. That is powered off the D tap of the uh, view. Factor battery plate, so that's kind of powered off all the Anton Bauer battery things. So it gets takes its power from. It's not an external battery. It takes HDMI out of the back of the red, which leaves the SDI port free for uh, onboard if you uh, like, monitor for my first AC. Yes, if you like full frame things, rat hole inside a rat hole. Yeah, you're tempted by the Kinefinity. Super thirty-five, three thousand dollar mini Kinney raw camera. The um, it's not full frame though, but isn't yes. it? I thought it was. It was Super a crappy 35. segue. No, it's Super thirty-five. So I'm very tempted. I think it's an interesting experiment, especially for like maybe three grand. It's probably I'm 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 hoping to get my hands on one. The only thing with the Kinney raw mini, uh, yes, that's actually uh, you can order one now. Three thousand two hundred bucks, right? Yeah. Well, there's a bit of a sliding. They've made it slightly complicated because there's about three or four different versions and actually three colours. Three colours. <laughs> there's the. Uh, I think there's black, grey, and champagne. So there's like a gunmetal grey <laughs> and then a really light grey. You had like sh champagne. <laughs> champagne. Champagne. Yes, all cameras should have a champagne colour or option. I must admit, if they really? put out the epic, champagne. No, seriously, if they put out the epic in white, you know, like the colour of the Canon white yeah, lenses, it does look pretty. Cool. I'd freaking buy that. Yeah, Jared's got that yeah, one. I think I would that's that. called Stormtrooper or something, isn't yeah. it? It's freaking awesome sorry. or something like that. Um, By the way, Stormtrooper, best name for a white coloured camera <laughs> ever. <laughs> It's very cool. So the Kinney Raw Mini. Um, 
is ready for pre-order and they have a special, I think, for the first 100 people to order. So they have actually four versions, just body only, the basic, the standard, and the premium. So it can go anywhere from 3.2 US up to 5.2. But isn't one of those like the 3D option, which is... Well, it gives you the option to do 3D, and I'm not sure what that actually means. I guess maybe extra... um, firmware to be able to sync two cameras together would you really risk i mean this is kind of like a cool little interesting i don't know if i'd risk a big if you're into a big 3d shoot this would you really i don't know no offense to kenny raw but but you test it right you test it i guess so and and by the way dear listeners just i want to i should have mentioned this earlier jason's been talking about a lot of kit i just want to in his defense say that jason sells kit Better I than do. Any I don't other just person buy I know. Like I make not, sure yeah. that when he says he's been going through a lot of like follow focuses, I'll say, "Hey, can I borrow that follow focus?" He said, no, "I've sold, oh, it. sold it." And I said, "Why didn't you ask me if I wanted to buy it?" And he goes, "Well, I, I don't like selling it to friends." So if you if you think Jason <laughs> if it is sucks, just, I probably sold it because it's not very good, and then I'm not going to get it, send it to you. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes. So Jason, sometimes. you'll hear on the show often has new bits and pieces, but I can tell you for a darn fact that anything that hasn't been used for like, it seems like longer than two weeks, gets sold on eBay and he yes, cycles it I'm not so. like other people on other podcasts who just spend all the time talking about how many billion of something that they bought and how many hundreds they need of something and how much money they spend at B&H and all that shit. I must no, admit... I turn stuff around. No, you've, you've made If it's me, not working, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it goes. Um, so... Well, uh, not working for you. I should say the stuff yes, you sell on eBay is not me. not working. Not <laughs> Just working in case anyone me. wants to buy a lens yes, from I you. I do not have you know, rivers of gold coming out of my no. bath taps. Okay, so if you were looking at something like this, you would test it, right? And, and I've got to say, yeah. I would not buy look, one of these until I heard some I think, user tests. I think, yes. Look, I I have uh, you know some, some good connections with Kenny Raw, and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get one. And if it's cool, we'll, we'll we'll keep it. I think it's an interesting for the amount of money. It's an interesting experiment. I probably would use this more. This is almost like a. This is like not. It's not full frame, but it's kind of like a DSLR alternative. It give you the, the the yeah. lower With data that rates. With side handle on it, it looks a lot like an Epic to me. It's yes. I mean, this is uh, this is a company that uh, should uh, is is jolly well uh, should be glad that they actually are in China. Because there is no way this camera would be in exist. This would be uh, this would be neutron bombed out of existence if it was in um, a Western country. The um, red legal would be all over this, uh, and you know, fair enough too. I um, should be like obliterating it. But well, um, you know, I, I saw um, top actually. Gear. I, I don't. I don't know. I there may not be any any legal reasons apart from sort of vague similarity of shape and size. Yeah, I saw Top Gear the other night, and they had this car looked exactly like a BMW six series. You know, the, yeah. the SUV. I mean, identical. And they were like, and BMW sued, and the Chinese government said, no, they don't look at anything alike. And everyone was like, what? I'm <laughs> like, no, nothing alike. <laughs> so yes, yeah, she. Uh, uh, aesthetically um, similar Look, similarities. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm no lawyer. I'm not going to get into any of that stuff. But, I shouldn't but, have even mentioned it, in but fact. I will say yes, this, it looks a bit epic-y. But my point in saying that is that it's the form factor of an epic, not the form factor of an SLR. Yeah, look, but hey, you know, it's 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 a small box. It's it's a it's a lens mount with a computer on it. How many different ways can you actually make it? 
The, the, I mean, well, this, if, if Ari could make a, a 2K Ari Raw camera this small, they probably would make it shorter and smaller. You know, I mean, they've they've made the the, the, the Alexa the way it is for certain ergonomics. If you kind of throw ergonomics out of the out of the room and just make a box with a few limos on it, this is kind of what you end up with. It doesn't mean it's necessarily infringing on anything. I, I, you know, who knows? It's a raw. Well, I can tell you though that even if it doesn't infringe on anything. It would still probably come under the. Uh, oh yes, yes, yes. Regardless, yeah. same thing with with Sony. There's probably you know. We're, we're, let's not get into that. Let's not get into that. No, we have. Um. Anyway, so uh, you've got plenty of choice, uh, but there's some some um, early uh, early bird prices on this camera from, from as I say from three two up to five two depending on whether you want to have um, some. Um, uh, SSD mags included or of um, hand, hand grips made by Movcam um, and whether you want to have the ability to do Cineform, uh, to record a Cineform externally. So a few, a, few, a few options. I don't think it comes down necessarily to frame rates and any of that sort of stuff. I think it's just kind of other options really. So again, we're, there's, the site is getting better week by week at uh, kinyraw.com. But uh, yeah, we'll, I think we'll, I think we'll, we'll try and get our hands on one, test one first before we go any further. But look for yeah, for three grand or something, it's a great little. It, it's almost it's into almost worth it for the experiment territory, isn't it? Mm, yeah, I want to experiment. I definitely want to test it. And yeah. and I, and I say that about a lot of cameras, right? I yeah. love testing cameras. Okay, so um, so, so that is uh, now available to buy. And uh, you said the first hundred get this. If you don't get that first hundred price, I think it goes up to. I think it's around three. The base model is three one or so three three one nine nine. I think it then after that it goes to. I think it's three eight is what they're around about the three eight mark. It only jumps up a little bit, but uh, still after that. I think it's going to take a little bit of time to sell the first hundred. I think people are going to dip their toe in that water fairly. Um. Um, trepidatiously, cautiously. cautiously. Yeah, although people have seen, you know, the, the Kinney Raw, the large Kinney Raw has come in leaps and bounds from, from pre-production models to the production models. And I don't actually know anyone who actually physically owned and purchased a Kinney Raw. If you actually physically own a production version, uh, we've certainly a new mic as well. I've had, had to play with the pre-production versions that have been around and they're, they're you know, they're, it's impressive for, for, the, for the money. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know how many they'll actually sell. Probably thousands in 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 China. Yeah, I think. Look, I think it's um it's interesting days on uh, the cameras, and I I do feel like there's probably you know a shakedown or shakeout coming. Mm. Um, but I Definitely. don't. But I don't think we finished the period of innovation yet. No. So, you know, it's like that sometimes you get a uh, technology that kind of settles down. You feel like, like right now, obviously they're getting a bit faster, but I don't like look at a PC and go, oh my God, we're waiting for massive innovations. You yeah. Know, it's, um, it's just uh, now, you know, expected to improve as it moves along. There's been some pretty heroic leaps in. Um, hey, there's one thing I forgot to ask I you when you're talking about the uh, Epic that I wanted to ask you. Sorry, just okay. it's on the same time yep. though. Yeah. Because I was going to say one of the big things about this is the compression, which reminded me. I was talking to a DP who was saying that they only like to shoot their Epic at five to one, and sometimes on effects work less than that if mm-hmm. they can. Um, 
And I was just going to ask you basically what uh, compression rate you shot on your Epic because we certainly shoot interviews way up at 12 to 1 when we know we're not doing effects yeah. on them. I think, uh, and I did a bit of a Twitter kind of poll of this the other day or late, late last year. I think I'm sort of around about 7 to 1. You know, I mean, most of my stuff will end up just in HD or, you know, not, 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 full, not, not for the big screen. Not for camera. And I think... Certainly between 5 to 1 and 7 to 1, there's probably not a lot in it. The the noise difference that you get is very slight. And certainly, um, I've definitely, if I've been running low on media or like, you know, stuck halfway up a whatever, a tower and, and running low and don't really want to have the hassle of swapping media and I'll bump to 10 to 1. And the amazing, the difference in, in, in going from 7 to 1 to, to 10 to 1 just in terms of your media burn through. Um, just it's just anecdotally, it seems to I seem to remember you know watching the clock like the fuel gauge running out rapidly, and then you go to ten to one, and it seems to very much staunch the flow of uh, uh, you know of data out of your card if if you're stuck that way. Uh, but I think generally seven to one. I have not, I haven't done a real, you know, side by side five to one, ten to one, seven to one kind of comparison to be honest i think maybe the first time the only time i really looked at it i haven't noticed i haven't noticed much difference certainly not really in like the exposure space or the raw kind of latitude or any of that stuff really just a little tiny bit of very very fine not even kind of like film grain kind of noise it's even finer than that that creeps in there if you go a little bit lower but you've probably poked into it a little bit more than me yeah what begs the question well i I think five to one is is good for effects, but yeah. What's what are you doing on your um five D Mark three? What are you shooting in? Uh, I've shot both of the codecs. I can um. There's the all eye, and then there's the previous one, the other one. There's the two. Yeah, and uh, I think I've not noticed an awful lot of difference. I think generally, if I'm not worried too much about data, I just go and use the higher codec, and and but uh, there's been a bit of Again, because I haven't pulled the five, I haven't pulled the five D out of its drawer this year. Um, I haven't really bothered to test it much, but I, I think I seem to remember there's something about the noise that even some people have complained of slightly that the higher codec is slightly noisier, which is weird. Maybe the lower codec just you know maybe just hides a bit because it kind of macro blocks it up a bit. Maybe it just kind of muddies it up a bit. And I find maybe the, that that's what it I is. I find the noise reduction on the Mark III to be significant. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a much higher ISO than my Mark II. So yeah, yeah. So I generally just about I it use, use the higher. Miserable. I use yeah, use the higher, higher codec. It's not it's not double. It's it's less than you know. It's it's not it's not a huge. It's not a massively uh, uh, you know doubled doubled data rate or anything. Although it's you know meant to be or or the specs say it is. It's uh, not. We tested that. No, it's not. Not anywhere um, near it. It's I, I like use all third I can. or whatever. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a bit better, but not. I don't find chalk and cheese better. No, no. When you you do much Alexa shooting, because when we've shot Alexa, we nearly always shoot raw because we want two point five. Yeah. But have you shot much Alexa without a codex, like shooting? Um, I've done a couple of spots where we've just done them on the ProRes and been perfectly fine, been happy with, with it. Four four four. I don't right. don't recall. I think I, I think I had also I had uh, ProRes four 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 shooting for me as well. Well, four 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 four, 
<laughs> ProRes is pretty good. Yeah, I think there's you know a vast amount of work is being done in that that codec. Though the, though, I think with the if you can do raw on board now with less fuss and probably less gear and 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 you know maybe probably less expense, I think you're going to find a lot more people shooting shooting the raw even if they only shoot 2K and don't bother going the whole two and a half. Or can you only shoot two and a half K? Our raw is only two and a half. I can't remember. Anyway, I'm sure. I think you'll find with this system, with the newer bodies, people are going to probably shoot a little bit more raw than than SBIS, just because of the convenience and the form factor of the camera. I think we'll just find that you know people will just adopt that more. I think. But uh, yeah, we really, the the couple of jobs I've done with it has mainly all been ProRes, and I think we really we only shot ProRes on the um, on the anamorphic weekend. We only shot ProRes as well, just out of convenience, and I certainly never. It looks very filmic, and there's plenty of range and scope and things, and it looks sharp and gorgeous, and so yeah, it's impressive as it is. I can understand why. I'm in the process of okay. This is a. I'm completely rambling now, but um, I shot. Oh, I'm shooting some stuff with Tom Gleason today. Actually, testing the um, Paralinks. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that we're doing with the Paralinks at the same time is we're testing the Ready Rig. So I haven't done it yet. But have you oh, seen this the Ready Rig? Ready Rig. Yes. So for Very those of you who don't know, this is a basically a shoulder mount rig for an SLR or an Epic. Imagine it's sitting on your shoulders. Two rods come out from your shoulders, and then the camera sits between those two rods on a um, on a uh, you know bracket. And there are two hand controls at either side. So, if you took away the shoulder rig, you've just got a bracket with two hand rigs outlying left and right, which mm. is fine. But with the ready rig on your shoulders, there's sort of some counterbalancing that goes on as well. So what this means is that you could actually, in the case of an SLR. Um, you can just let go of it and it would not fall. It would just sit on your shoulders with this kind of um, two-rod uh, counterweight thing. But the reason that the hand controls are there is that, of course, you can pan uh, or tilt up and down. And because the rig is carrying its weight on your shoulders, it's not like a normal shoulder rig um, in that sense. It's sort of evenly distributed on both shoulders. So This is definitely one of those rigs. Now, I would normally run a mile from this kind of stuff. They always look like really stupid, really geeky, really clunky. They restrict your movement. Well, there's no doubt that you're going to look geeky if you're wearing this. Oh, look, you know, there's no escaping it. But, uh, and I've seen, and people who swear by the um, easy rigs, uh, what I find quite unusual with them is that you have to get them, you have to pretty much order the easy rig Apart from the one adjustable model, I think you have to pretty much ad- ad- buy the easy rig that suits your camera rig, and there's no real easy way, apart from bolting weight on or off, which seems always seems reasonably silly to to to, to balance it perfectly. Um, I just didn't like that thing over my head. Yeah, you know, it's just like I felt like I just felt well, this ungainly. Kind of trade something over your head to having something stick out behind you a little bit, not too much. This is definitely one of those things you're going to have to. Um, again, we'll put links in the show notes. But if you Google Ready Ready Rig, one of those there's a great demo from uh, from Ready Rig themselves. Uh, it may even be from. Well, from but from we should talk about. It. We'll just support. talk about it more when we've done the testing next week. But okay. I just thought I'd flag. Good idea. I don't know if you'd seen it or not, but it, but it is. I I had not. I know Tom's talked to me about it. And I've gone. Oh yeah. And I just saw the video before we started recording, and I'm going. Ah, uh, wow. This is very very simple. And yes, you look like a dork, but man, 
little demo video I saw. That is a very impressive, very a clever lot, thing. You do it, want, do it want. It seems to, to me like. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna look pretty cool, but it's pretty ungainly wearing a um a full steady cam. Yeah. But if I was at a trade show, wandering around, and I had one of these on, I think you could get ninety percent, maybe eighty percent of the steady cam look. Yeah. Um, without you know maybe fatiguing as much as you would by having a full. Be interesting to see how much it absorbs. This is definitely not a eye to. I don't. Although you can get your eye to the viewfinder if you're walking around and you want the full flexibility of this rig. This is more of a. Uh, operating off a monitor, yeah, that's operating kind off a monitor. Kind yeah. of a It'll rig. be away from your head. But it's very flexible, very clever. It do, looks, it looks uh, very impressive. This, I definitely want to have a play for it in real life, and it. Uh, mm. Intriguing. One of the reasons I mention that is by way of, as you know, segueing, um, because uh, I just wanted to flag to you guys that have been listening that we've been putting some stuff up on uh, FX Guide which we're calling uh, Top Tech. So what's happening is Tom Gleason and I, are in combination between FX Guide and the ACS, doing tests of gear. So we've done tests on uh, Canon versus ICE lenses. We've done um, some lights. As new bits of kits come out to the Australian Cinematographer Society, we are um, testing them and then putting that video up on uh, FX Guide or um, sometimes in the FX PhD blog, which goes on FX Guide. Either way, you can see it there. So keep an eye out for that. It's Top Tech. And if you do a search of Top Tech and uh, FX Guide, you should find the ones that we've so far published. We've done a couple so far, and I've been enjoying them with Tom. And uh, so, yeah. Excellent. I'll have to give you my V-bag to do a I, demo on. I totally would love to do that. Yeah, um, actually, I'd, you should probably I'd, search on Google Top Tech FX Guide ACS, not ASC if you're an American, ACS. Yeah. And you'll see the uh, true color and the... Um, and there's eye stuff, and this one will be posted probably in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, that that's the bag we were talking about last time on the show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's one of those things that is best, like the like the ready rig. It's one of those things you best, you know, until you you can see stills of it. You can sort of until you really actually get hands on or see someone a video of someone with hands on. It doesn't really appreciate uh, what it can do for you. I think. Cool. Cool. Yes. Apparently, we were also voted one of the top 10 best podcasts for video production by um, premiumbeat.com blog. Cool. Yes. Thanks, premiumbeat.com. Yes. Blog. And interestingly, of the top 10, just don't want to sort of burst your balloon or anything, but of the top 10, <laughs> we actually scored <laughs> numbers three, four, and five. <laughs> huh? Yeah, we oh, scored FX, RC, FX the VFX show, right. and the FX podcast. Oh, cool. There we go. Excellent. So I was very happy about that. Thank you for that. Thank you, dear kind uh, viewer, listener. Awesome. Hey, hey um, if you guys have got some news or some stuff you'd like to send in, please uh, email us here. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And also, of course, you can follow us on Twitter and on uh, on, the, on the main site. Your Twitter f- handle is? I am Wingrove. I am Mike Seymour, um, but also, uh, of course, follow us uh, over at FX Guide where we've sort of been posting a bunch of stuff. We've got some interesting stuff coming up. Just confirmed, Jason, uh, yesterday we've got an interview coming up um, with Dito himself, the man. He's coming out here for a uh, masterclass and cross fingers. It's um, not done yet, but with a bit of luck with... um, Next couple of weeks, we'll get a chance to, as he comes to Sydney to do these masterclasses, do an interview with him. I went to his lectures, uh, obviously the man who invented the Dito Light, mm. um, two, three years ago. Yeah, I remember him mentioning at the time that oh, it was really so uh, really engaging, really clever guy. Encyclopedic knowledge of lighting. 
and and it was really interesting lighting discussion too because there was the technical stuff about you know uv and stuff but there was also a ton of stuff about the quality of light and and how to get those different qualities of light and uh they have some new lights and stuff so we'll be covering all that coming up and i want to thank you guys for being with us and just so you know our intern has handed me the um the uh the rundown, no announcement, Jason, of Ultra HD on right. the PS4 launch. Um, it's coming in the holiday season of 2013. No surprise there for Christmas. And uh, as you probably know, by the time you listen to this, it has 8 gig of uh, memory. So it's a pretty big, hefty, darn thing. Um, still has a hard drive in it and it's very big on second screen. And uh, being able to move a game that you're actually playing to second screen as well as uh, being obviously big on social media as everything is these days. In particular, you can stream stuff down. You can have friends getting a stream of a game you're playing and then jump in and help you if you've got a bit of the game you can't do. Uh, A lot of interesting tech, but not, as we had hoped, anything about... um, There is a stereo controller at the front that knows where you are in the room and a few other things like that, but Uh nothing nothing particularly RC, especially in the terms of HD. No, I just think it'll it'll be another part of the pushing 4K or near 4k ultra hd into into the home or, i don't popularizing think, it oops sorry mike i don't I, know that that's true i i think I, you want it to be but well, I've not i'm seen anything just to just a stab in the dark it's going to be uhd and it's going to maybe seeing as the ps3 is almost is, is a very nice blu-ray player just in terms of quality i'm going to say that by now time it's launched sony will have worked out the or there'll be some sort of 4K Blu-ray. Maybe maybe it'll play 4K Blu-rays. Okay. And uh, as we're recording this just prior to the Oscars, we don't know who's won, but to all of the five nominees in the category of cinematography, big congratulations. And certainly um, in light of our ARRI discussion, there'll be yes. quite a bit of attention on Mr. Roger Deakins. And big surprise at the BAFTAs, though. He did not win it for Skyfall. But he did win at the uh, Cinematographer's... BCS? Or whatever it is. Yeah. BSC? Yeah, no, I saw that. Um, and I've got to say, actually, just as a complete aside, and you've got to put this in the show notes. This is like super mm. rat holly. Um, so on Ari's website, and I just hadn't seen this before, but on Ari's website, they had a behind-the-scenes photo of Skyfall. Now, look, maybe this has been published elsewhere. I just didn't see it. But you know the scene we discussed, how much I loved that scene where he's running away from the burning house. Yeah. And you have this um, lit up shot of him with this huge orange light behind. Oh, they, the lighting rig they showed? Yeah, they showed yeah. the lighting rig. Have you seen that elsewhere? I have. Oh, no, no, this elsewhere. I may have seen it on the Ari site already. But yeah, that's a very impressive rig. And also, I guess, very impressive the fact that visual effects got rid of it. There is just a ton of dinos, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm but it's all programmed. It's all it's all programmed together to have a fi- not just like let's just randomly flicker them all. The array of, of there's got to be thirty, and each of these has, I'm going to say, fifteen to is it more than that? Is it four by? It's twenty lights in each r- array, yeah. and there is at least thirty arrays in the shot that I'm looking Maybe at. Maybe it's in the AC mag. Uh, it's basically article. just a, uh, I mean, I'm talking like a minor mountain. It'll be a hill of Dino lights. Yeah. 
But I think, oh yeah, God. it's not just randomly flick it. They were all put into something programmable that gives it a really interesting firelight look, maybe even just some, and actually, you know... That's like, the photo they should have put in the American Cinematographer for your consideration ad. Yeah. Because i got to tell you, I had no idea that was just Yeah, and that sequence awesome. looks terrific. The whole film looks fantastic. Blu-ray's out any moment in the UK. I think we've got another month till it comes out here. It's one of those kind of... Some people buy big TVs for, say, Super Bowl. This is, a very, this is a very tempting big TV lash-out moment for me, I think. Anyway, yeah. Mr. Deacons won ASC, BSC. BSC, BSC Award? Won, no, no, he won the ASC um, uh, uh-huh. Outstanding Achievement in Cinematography February 10 at the uh, Hollywood and Highland Grand Ballroom Skyfall-y thingy that was just published that um, he was unable to attend because he was filming out of town. Um and uh, his wife accepted the honour on his behalf. But yeah, what an amazing, amazing um, film. So uh, not to take away oh, just great looking and you know money no object um, cinematography. You know, or just a money no object production. You know, if you want to, you want to have a really cool shootout and fight in a Japanese skyscraper, then build a. Build yeah. a set and project, you did, know. Did you see at the same ceremony that Angelina Jolie gave uh, Dean Semler a Lifetime Achievement Award? Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. ever since I saw Dancing with Wolves, I've been like, I, I actually would probably see a film just because Dean Semler shot it. Yeah, he's a pretty impressive work. Mm. Uh, and uh, again, a master of anamorphic, low-light flares, and he's, uh, you know, was took um, anamorphic stuff uh, to the next level in this country, certainly, and, and in the world. To even stuff like Razorback looks really cool. If you don't remember that one, check that one out, people. That is, you are really mutant, yeah, that is not rampant sort of killer, killer bush pig. <laughs> <laughs> that is not <laughs> a common awesome film. awesome work in that film from from him, and okay. Mad Max, and Thunderdome, and all that sort of stuff. Awesome work from from Dean. I think he shot uh, Thunderdome at least. Have you shot with him? I have not. No, I have not. But uh, yeah, very talented individual. Anyway, that's enough yeah. for this week's show. Thanks okay. so much for listening to us, guys. We really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next week when hopefully we'll have slightly less rat holes. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Send your questions or comments to rc at fxguide.com. Copyright 2011, FX Guide LLC.